Welcome to the Tweed Couch Guitar Therapy Session, where we talk about all things guitar related. My name is Dr. T, and I am not a licensed therapist, but I play one on a podcast. Today on the Tweed Couch, we are counseling on Metallica's Blackened Whiskey. When you hear the name Metallica, you think of three things. Power-driven metal, energetic live performances, rock star lifestyles. Of course, all these things can take a toll on a band that has been touring off and on for 40 years. Now, one thing is for sure, to go this long, you need to be resilient, true to your purpose and fans, and above all, adapt to survive. But how did Metallica get started? Did James and Lars really meet by answering an ad in a newspaper? What does a Metallica whiskey taste like? Who is Dave Pickerel and what is a whistle pig? And what's with the nickname Alcoholica? Well, we will discuss this and more on this group tasting session with Nick on the Tweed Couch. Well, Nick, it is great to have you back. Thank you very much for being back to the Tweed Couch. Now, of course, we need to remember that we don't drink to excess. We make sure we drink responsibly and, of course, don't drink and drive. With all of that said, we are going to have an excellent time going through Metallica's Blackened, which is not their song. It is actually their whiskey. All right. Who knew? Oh, yeah. Who knew? Right. (laughs) So with all that said, what do we actually know about Metallica? Like, as far as I know, they started in 1981 Mm -hmm. in L.A., which is actually kind of the glam band scene. But they really ended up becoming huge when they moved to San Francisco, which was right. more of that that metal scene. And, of course, that's where they really gained Cliff Burton, which was their, their bass player until 1986. Did not know that. Yeah. He was only their bass player until 1986 because of the bus crash. And so I don't know if you ever heard about mm, that, but vaguely. As, yeah, essentially in, in 1986, they were overseas. They were in another country. They were doing their tour and the tour bus ended up rolling in the snow. Yes. They said it was like black ice or something like that. Yeah. And Cliff ended up getting thrown from the bus. And unfortunately he ended up dying. Uh, I do remember that night you mentioned the story. Well, those are the main things I know about Metallica. What do you know about Metallica? I know that they produce fantastic driving rock. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's heavy metal, right? Mm-hmm. Which uh, is, uh, is really fun to listen to. Had the opportunity to go see them in concert in Dallas and they play uh, just a couple of years ago oh. and they play something from their full catalog and man, their sound is fast and it's hard and it's angry but melodic yeah to watch them make that music was was an incredible experience it's amazing the way that you put that because they are basically a a rock metal band and at the time back in the 80s they actually referred to it as thrash metal yeah and they put it on the exact same shelf as megadeth and anthrax and Slayer, and all those guys. And so that's part of the reason why they had to leave the glam band scene and head their way to San Francisco, where they would, they, it was thriving in that area. Now, with that, how is it that they actually get any kind of exposure, and how did they become what they did? And it's exactly what you just said. It's, man, that, it was a great show, and it was just full 
on. And, and these guys are like pushing their 60s at this point. It was unbelievable to see what they were able to do on this enormous stage. And of course, they had a huge screen behind them, but they didn't just stand and play. They were all over, moving, lots of energy, amping the crowd up, responding to the crowd, two mosh pits going. It was, it was a really electric atmosphere. Yeah. All powered by those guys up on stage. And it was it was a pretty incredible show for 60-year-olds. Oh, yeah. Incredible. Seriously. What's amazing to me is when you really look at how they play and what they do and, and how well they do it, their fan base grew from the energy of their shows. They would do hundreds of shows a tour. And sometimes a tour would last two years. Wow. And I mean, and they would just go and go and go. And they lived for the tour. They lived for yep. being able to perform like that. Now, with that, of course, comes their other thing they're known for, which is the rock and roll lifestyle. And so they actually had a nickname, and I don't know if you you've heard this before, but they were known as Alcoholica. I did read that. And getting ready for my return to the couch, yeah. uh, I did see that mentioned. Definitely 80s metal band, 80s excess Definitely sums up Alcoholica. Is yeah. that what they were gonna- <laughs> the, the Alcoholica. And, you know, and what's, what's interesting is, you know, you think about the 80s and what the 80s were, and I think of hair bands. But they weren't glam hair bands. No. No, they looked like a bunch of dirty old men, even though they were in their 20s. Right. You think yeah. it wasn't the makeup hair band. What you yes. call the glam, right? Yeah, it that's wasn't, exactly right. It wasn't Twisted Sister, nope. You know, with D. Snyder and the eye makeup and oh, yeah. all, and the and the big hair, mm-hmm. same big hair, but like you're ready to see chains and spiked collars, and, and so, yeah. it's like that's what that's what they brought. That's what, came, yeah. and that's what came through in their music, and I think that's what people really connected to and related with. Yeah, for sure. And actually, the other thing that you saw a lot of was. You saw that fist pumping and you saw that that running around the stage like you might have seen from from other bands like Van Halen and stuff like that. But it was a real difference because it was an energy in every single song and it was melodic guitar parts. I mean, I'll be honest, James Hetfield, the lead singer, is not my favorite singer In, in the grand scheme of things. He is he's an okay singer, but his voice fits. The sound of the guitar, the sound of the drum. Mm-hmm. Gosh, I keep thinking in, in my mind what keeps coming up is the, it, it's not quite anthem rock. Yeah. But it almost, it's almost like anthem rock where there's a story in the music that starts and builds and then is in your face and either drives to an end or, or then fades away. That's what, I think that's what people are connecting to. Even though I don't necessarily just love his voice and go, oh, I could listen to him forever. I think a lot of it has to go with his energy. The amount of energy that is behind every single note, yep. every single word is equivalent to the amount of energy behind every single drum stroke, every single bass slap, every single thrashing guitar solo, whatever it is. And it's it's an, of course it's you know impressive and of course it's it's what allowed them to sell millions of records and billions of dollars in ticket sales right. well and it's enduring right another word that comes into mind there's a generation 
I mean, they could be their grandkids for crying out loud that are picking it up and are thrashing with fist in the air Mm -hmm. um, like they did 30 years ago. Yeah. Well, just a part of that revolution. Now, growing up for me, I didn't listen to a lot of Metallica. Most of the kids I knew who listened to Metallica were really angry people. Right. Um, and I tried to stay away from angry people because I thought at any point I could die. <laughs> um, so I, I didn't hang out with them. But I knew a lot of people who wore the T-shirts. Yeah, for Most sure. Most of them, not fans, just loved the T-shirt. You know, it was it became an icon. It became novelty almost, which actually is going to make a lot of Metallica fans very angry that I said that. Because that's the way a lot of people were with them in the 90s. Right. In the 80s, if you knew them, you were a fan. In the 90s, you saw the t-shirt at a a Gadzooks or a... Gadzooks. Yep, or a Fast Forward or a whatever. And, you know, now you find it on eBay for $7.99 from China. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what else do we find? I'm just kidding. Yeah. Just kidding. <laughs> Let's go to eBay. Now, um, it's pretty amazing when you really look at their record of what they have. I mean, in 2009, they actually made it into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. That's right. They've made quite an impression, and they're still going. They are. Kind of. Right? As much as a band can go today, yeah, right. given lockdowns and this mm-hmm. you know, environment we find ourselves in. But uh, yes, they are still going today, still going strong. So as we look at all of what Metallica is, obviously what we've just discussed barely even hits the surface of Metallica. Because, I mean, after all, you know, I alluded to this whole bus accident. Of course, the fights that happened amongst the band, all that kind of stuff. And we could go into all that forever, all the drama. But honestly, they're well documented. They have documentary after documentary. This, this is an icon band. Right. This is, this is blues's Eric Clapton. This is rock and rolls Bon Jovi and ACDC and Rolling Stones. This is metal's poster child. Agree. Metallica. So, I mean, they deserve being in there. Now, what's interesting is they got inducted in 2009 and three of their bass players got inducted with them. One, of course, being Cliff, unfortunately, who had passed right. away. Makes sense. The other was Jason Newstead, who was actually the person who replaced Cliff. Right. And then the next one was Robert Trillo, which was the final one. And he's actually the one that played with Ozzy and he played with Suicidal Tendencies and a few of those right. like heavy bands as heavy well. Heavy bands. Now... When the band started, some people not, may not realize this, but when the band started, James Hetfield actually put out an ad in the paper searching for musicians to be a part of a heavy rock mm. band. And the person who called was Lars Ulrich. And what's crazy is, is this is a kid who was actually from Denmark. Okay. He was really into tennis. He had a family of like tennis professionals. In an interview, I saw him say that he was really good at tennis, really enjoyed doing it. He was like top 10 in his area. Wow. Comes over to America. He said, nah, I wouldn't even make the team. And he knew music was his thing. And he ended up calling him up and saying, all right, I can play drums. And he showed up to play drums and they said he was terrible. Really? 
but he's the only one that really answered the call. So they started a band and he had connections. That was that was probably Lars's biggest thing was he had connections. And I think I think it's because of those connections, they ended up getting places to play, which then got people seeing them live, which right. then built their fan base, which then, you know, did all those types of things, which was obviously a big deal. Yeah, had no idea about that history with the uh, drummer and and that part of the story. That's interesting. Their chemistry is what probably launched them to where they are now. In yeah, real honesty. It's, and it's interesting how, how you need both dynamics for, mm-hmm. for excellence, for greatness, right? It keeps ego in check, it keeps struggle in check, mm-hmm. and it allows greatness to happen. There is one little interesting part to Metallica that's not really about the band itself, but they are protective of their music. Hmm. And I don't know if you remember this back in the 90s, early 2000s, there was this thing called Napster. Remember it well. Yes. And it was basically this file sharing. They shared MP3s of songs. So basically you could buy an album, you could upload it to the site, and people could download it for free. I forget exactly how it worked, but Based on your uploads, you could then download as well. You couldn't download without uploading. There were limits and and Mm -hmm. so forth. So it really encouraged everyone to upload your music, which made it available for everyone to then download without paying for it. Right. Which is interesting also in the sense that the way that Metallica got their start was a whole lot of handing out the demos. Here, take the demo, take the demo, take the demo. And a lot of them were handwritten on and a lot of them were just like recorded in their their bedrooms and, you know, like. Yeah, it's interesting. You would think that the ability for hundreds of thousands, millions of people to, as I did, start the download, go to bed because of dial up Internet, (laughs) wake up in the morning and it's finally done. Um, You would think that that would encourage the band to like hey look how broadly our music our reach yeah is understand the money side of it and it's all happening yeah. without any income and so that obviously right. we have to no stop. royalties no nothing right. actually the lawsuit was copyright infringement and racketeering well, like, which makes sense and <laughs> because... federal offenses <laughs> right <laughs> so uh, so i mean he's he's a driver and he it would not surprise me if he was a main driving part into a whiskey, into making blackened as a whiskey in general. Now, I am surprised that they decided to do a whiskey. And one of the main reasons why I'm surprised is actually because of James Hetfield. Because hmm. James Hetfield has been in and out of rehab quite a bit over, over the years. I mean... Of course, you know, he's the lead singer. He's that rhythm guitar player, that main vocalist. He played that explorer style guitar that's all pointy and it's and it's super fun. But I mean, he's gone to rehab and then went through recovery in 2001 as well as 2019. And currently does not drink whiskey. Uh, So he does not. So it's uh, interesting when you see his playlist and whatever batch is his for Blackened. He doesn't drink it. Gosh, that's amazing. Well, so you mentioned the batch and the playlist. Mm. So when you say that, what, what do you mean by the batch and the playlist for this whiskey? Each band member comes up with songs 
uh, their playlist, if you will. Okay. And in the distilling process, as the whiskey is aging in barrels, they're using that playlist, those songs, and they're playing it at the barrels. So how do they figure out what songs they're going to put in the playlist that goes to it? Yeah, and that's what's, that's what's really unique about each batch is the artist, if it's Lars or if it's Hetfield, they're going to say, well, these are the songs that I think have a certain rhythm, a driving bass, maybe it's a drum beat or any combination. And we can go into the science behind it yeah. and how it's a fascinating story. Um, but they're thinking that will affect the flavor combination, the flavor profiles of that batch. Well, you know, and, and that does make sense that you would be able to do something like that. That whole idea of sound waves agitating and, and, and causing more molecular connections and, and, and interactions. So, uh, yeah, that would, that would make total sense. So here's, here's a little story. Okay. If, if you'll uh, allow it. So yeah. um, Dave Pickerell is the master distiller who met with the band in their quest to get into whiskey and his quest to revive the idea of a blended whiskey. What we have with Blackened is it's a blend. It's not one distilled whiskey. It's multiple whiskeys blended together, put in a barrel to age. Okay, so where are they getting all these whiskeys from? Primarily, their rye is coming out of Canada, and they're picking up uh, other grains, other blends from all around the continent. Okay, so from North America, they're picking up all these different things from different areas. Now, where is this actually being made then? Is it being made in Kentucky? Is this a Kentucky whiskey? Not a Kentucky whiskey. The, uh, the distillery is in Vermont. Vermont? Vermont, and it's bottled in New York. Okay. You know, which actually, that's kind of where they got their big go. That's one of the interesting things about, about Metallica was, yeah, they were a California band, but when they decided that they wanted to make this real go at it, they went to New York and they lived actually in Anthrax's like studio space. Whenever they would eat, they had this, I forget, they, I think they called it Loser's Lunch. And it was basically bologna in a in your hand, and you just would eat it out of out of your hand. No bread, no nothing. <laughs> that sounds terrible. Yeah, it is terrible. Actually, interesting story that I I noticed in in one of my researches was the guitar player that they originally had. Whenever he drank and drank hard, he was a fighter. Uh-huh. Whereas the other guys, when they drank, they became very playful and they just joked around with each other. And so, you know, you take somebody who is more of the court jester, like on the high side of that. Right. And then you take someone who's just angrier and angrier whenever they drink and they don't really mix well. And so one day they woke him up and said, you're out of the band. And he's like, okay, all right, well, when's my flight home? They said, well, we've got a bus ticket for you. And they basically put him on a bus and they said, you got 45 minutes to get out of here. He was gone. And then who shows up? Kirk Hammett shows up. Um, and they already had it like scheduled and everything. He shows up, goes to try out and he's in the audition went great. He's in. And that's, now, amazing. that's the reason why I chose the blackened whiskey that we're using this time. Cause his batch number, I grabbed batch number 96. Excellent. 
which the numbering system evidently works off of the years active. So like the first batch number is 81 and then it goes all the way up from there. So this is 96 and this is Kirk's playlist. That's what we're going to taste. We're going to taste Kirk's playlist. (laughs) Excellent. Well, and it's interesting as you were talking, you know, there's a number of similarities with Metallica's history and what's happened with craft distilling of whiskeys in America. So Pickerel's legacy is Maker's Mark, where he was a master distiller and really learned his craft of distilling the right grains to produce makers. So he started in Kentucky then. Right. Doing all this. Okay. He then leaves Maker's Mark and starts Whistlepig. Oh. Um, a craft distillery, primarily rye, rye sourced from Canada. Uh, but also on their over 500-acre farm in Vermont, uh, which is another reason why, that's why uh, in since Pickerel partnered with Metallica to produce Blackened, used his, I'm sure, facilities or, or close-by facilities in Vermont. So as he's coming up with these different blends and he's helping Whistlepig get up and running, which, by the way, Whistlepig is mostly a rye whiskey. Some of their, their first label, the 10-year, 75 bucks all the way up to you buy that 12 year boss hog which is released once a year over 500 dollars a bottle that is crazy which is all due to pickerel and what he has been able to do as that distiller yeah um sadly he passed away Oh, really? Just a couple years ago. Oh, man. And so the partnership with Metallica was just going. So you mentioned these batches. Yeah. Um, up to batch 99. Yeah. It's great that we're tasting batch 96 today because batch 99 was the last batch where he had a hand in distilling it. Oh, wow. All right. Yeah. Excellent. So well, fun okay. times. So it's almost like having Whistlepig. sure let's leave that to the tasting (laughs) okay all right we'll do that well speaking of tasting okay i think we need to ask this question if metallica was a bourbon what would they taste like i think metallica as a bourbon would have quite a bit of heat Mm -hmm. we'll call it pepper i think as the heat passes you're going to be left with taste of some cinnamon I would almost say vanilla because it's a whiskey, but there's nothing vanilla about what Metallica does. So that doesn't fit. But I think you'd I think you'd have some cinnamon after the heat. I think you'd have um, what fruit would come across with Metallica. It'd be rotten fruit. (laughs) (laughs) You know what? It wouldn't be fruit at all. It would be leather. Oh, yeah. Tobacco Mm -hmm. and ashtray. (laughs) <laughs> yes definitely <laughs> yep yep crack pipe um, <laughs> yeah, <good. no>. <laughs> well so i was thinking about it and and i was like you know if metallica was a bourbon i think they would have a lot of heat yep they'd have a lot of spice there'd be a whole lot of oak mm. there would be a, a high proof to it and it would have a lot of caramel because it's just, it's going to be sweet, but it's not going to be the sweet that's soothing. It's going to be the sweet that's almost too much sugar. Okay. You know, not, not to be confused with Death Leopard, where you would have 
pour some sugar on me. This is this is not glam rock. This is. <laughs> so here's what's really interesting. You mentioned sugar, and do you want to know why this whole experiment of playing music at the barrels as they're aging? What what that's all about? Yeah, I mean, it would be great. I mean, I I understand that this is this is Metallica's whiskey, and this is what we would expect to come from them. But at the same time, this is also not just their whiskey. This is taking someone's artistry in Dave Pickerel and then bringing in this band that is edgy. Edgy in their mid-50s reaching 60, but edgy. But still edgy. Yeah. Yeah, so we go back to when Pickerel was at West Point. And he goes in to hear an organ recital and he hears this amazing some song by Bach. And at the final chord, as you know, the full organ is playing, like feel some of those deep yeah. bass resonant notes as opposed to hearing them. Yeah. And so that gives him an idea that sound waves could affect what's happening inside that barrel. Are they using the white oak barrels like they, you mentioned they are. before? Yep. Okay. They, well, they're using a white oak barrel uh, in to produce the whiskey, but they're aged in brandy barrels. Really? Yeah. Hold on. I'm going to read this. So if I look at the bottle, it says a blend of straight whiskeys finished in black brandy casks. casks. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Remastered. Oh, that's intelligent. By Dave Pickerel. Yeah. Yeah. You like it? Remastered. So here's what's really fascinating about this, the science now behind it. You know, they char the inside of those barrels. Well, behind that char, before it gets to the outer edge of the barrel, there are wood sugars that didn't fully burn, but are somewhat caramelized. And the idea is, as those sound waves are hitting, it's forcing more of that liquid past that char into that no man's land of caramelized, not quite burned wood sugar that produces all these different flavors. Well, yeah. Well, it makes sense. I mean, that's that agitation, right? Mm -hmm. You know, which if we're talking about Metallica... Agitation is a wonderful term to use. It's fantastic, right? It, it is a great pairing of yep. what Metallica does and what they're doing with their music and what a master distiller like Dave is doing in producing a craft whiskey. It really is amazing to me that they chose to do a whiskey. Because after all, they could have done a cigar. They could have done a salsa. I mean, Megadeth... They did coffee. So there's a lot of options out there for a band that's wanting to rebrand themselves or market themselves in some way. You could almost say they're visionary because did they know in 2018, 2017 that the craft whiskey and the bourbon scene would explode to what it is today? Yeah, possibly. Yeah, yeah, possibly. That's Uh, a good call. And on the entry point there, uh, as... As they were with their music, as they started to change change rock, yeah. maybe they're in on changing the bourbon scene. And I think it's interesting. I think that their fan base is going to be accepting of this. Now, their fan base hasn't always been accepting of decisions they've made throughout time. 
when Jason Newstead ended up leaving the band, which was his choice. It was, you know, he wanted to go start a new project and he wanted to do something else. When that happened, there was this, you know, fan base rejection right. of it. Before that, when they cut their hair, the hair, there was <laughs> yeah. a fan base rejection. How are you going to produce the same type of energy, the same anger, the same agitation? Yes. At a concert when you've got a crew cut instead of right. the hair. Samson has lost all of his power, you know, and it's just. just Although get. I'm not going to tell Hatfield. Yeah. <laughs> he's lost any of his power. Yeah, yeah that's fair. It's a scary great. individual. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, we're talking about a guy who, in a freak show accident, ended up being burned with like 3,000 degree that's right. fire. And, you know, a, a few weeks later, a couple of months later, here he is on stage with Back like a cast on and he's like well i can't play but i can sing you know and crowd goes nuts yeah it's amazing it's amazing right oh, man well you know while we're talking about the band this idea of making a whiskey and then choosing a name is interesting mm. when we did bob dylan's heaven's door we kind of talked about that and went okay this this makes sense this works with it yep we can handle this but Metallica chose Blackened. Now, after you mentioned that it was made in these these uh, brandy casks. Yeah, these black brandy casks. I was like, black brandy, blackened. Maybe that right. could work for it. I don't know. Why do you think that Metallica chose Blackened as the name for this whiskey? Yeah, so the, the brandy cask could be part of it. I think the science and the craftsmanship of what is beyond that blackened part of the barrel where those wood sugars are caramelized yeah but not blackened yeah. not charred that's where the playlist that's where their music comes into play so i think it plays on that blackened char could be the mm. black brandy barrels i was thinking just a minute ago it could even be the black album right kind of a defining album yeah. that i don't think there's a bad song on it no i think they play yeah. almost every song off that album at every concert the song blackened actually was written back in 1988 okay so this is a relatively old song for them and honestly was not a defining song for them i mean there was a lot of you know for whom the bell tolls enter sandman unforgiven if you're thinking right yeah. fade to black I mean, there's a lot of really good songs that they had. Master of Puppets. I mean, it was the that was their big song at the time. So, you know, there's a lot of really good songs that they could have named this thing off of. And I'm actually surprised they chose this one. Because after all, when you look at this song, it's about the end of the planet, mm. the end of the world. It, it goes into social injustice. It goes into deforestation. It mm. goes into pollution. And I mean, it's, it's talking about the end times. And actually one of the statements in the song says blackened is the end. Mm. And I'm like, this is the most depressing whiskey I'm ever going to taste. <laughs> I don't even know what to do with this, you know? <laughs> But what's interesting in this is that most actually believe that the song Blackened is really talking about nuclear war. Okay. Because it's just talking about everything just ends. You know, we're not talking about global warming. It's scorched. It's gone. Yeah. It's over. That's it. So, you know, 
I don't love this name for the whiskey. Unless it's going to taste like fireball whiskey or something. <laughs> well, let's hope it doesn't. Let's hope it doesn't. Because that, that cinnamon syrupy stuff is, no. is too much. Well, on that note, I guess we should probably taste this, okay? And, and I should open it up. But the question I have, and, and I'm sure you've got it already in front of you, what have reviews said that this ends up tasting like? And while you do that, I will go ahead and start opening this thing up. Excellent. And we can go ahead and try it and see what it's like. Great. Yeah, most reviews, I think, one, it carries Dave Pickerel's name, and so um, it's worth a try because of his legacy and who he is as a distiller. Whistlepig comes to mind for a lot of people when they see his name. A lot of reviews call it a good drink, a great story, enjoy with friends. Is it going to be the best whiskey you've ever had? No. Um, okay. Is it definitely worth conversation? And does it allow for some great stories as you are reminiscing perhaps about concerts you went to? Or um, So I think that piece of it is going to draw people to it. But I think the general consensus is it's a fairly average okay. whiskey. All right. Well, well, we'll have to find that out for ourselves here. Now, I think that it probably would make the most sense if we actually listened to the playlist while we did this. I think we should. But I don't know that we can actually play that on this podcast because because if we try to play it on the podcast, I'm pretty sure that Lars would... <laughs> He'll be hunted. <laughs> yeah, would send out a lawsuit, maybe a copyright thing or... Racketeering. I don't know. Um, so maybe I won't necessarily no, do that. No more Napster. Yeah, that's right. No more. Mm-mm. So as I look at this bottle before I pop the cork, it says that this is batch 096. So it's the 96 batch. Yep. It is a blend of straight whiskeys finished in black brandy casks remastered by Dave Pickerel. This is a 750 milliliter bottle, 45% alcohol by volume and 90 proof. On the back of it, it says Blackened, a bold collaboration of the finest hand-selected whiskeys, an unrivaled composition of craft and creativity, born in cask, forged by sound. Nice. Nice. Bottled by Sweet Amber Distilling Company, Shoreham, Vermont. Okay. And evidently, the Surgeon General says that women should not drink alcoholic beverages during pregnancy. That's probably a good warning. Yeah. Yep, that makes sense. All right. All right. So. Let's crank up the playlist. Let's go to it. Let's see. Here we go. If you are looking for a way to help support the Tweed Couch and it costs no money to you, then check out our YouTube channel and become a subscriber. Also, you can tell someone about the podcast and share an episode with them. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support. Let's hear from another sponsor. Are you looking for a party with a purpose? If you love music, if you love family-friendly, if you love camping, then you should look into LifeFest. LifeFest is one of the largest Christian music festivals in America and draws attendees from across the United States to worship together deepen their faith, and strengthen relationships with family and friends. This three-day event features dozens of artists, engaging seminars, and much more. This year, in 2021, we have two festivals, 
Come join a party with a purpose in Oshkosh, Wisconsin on July 8th through 11th or on the Johnny Cash Hideaway Farm in Bon Agua, Tennessee on July 29th through 31st. I'll see you there. Good. So what we are about to drink was actually, you know, forged by sound uh, with the songs Overkill, Phantom Lord, Too Late, Too Late, Leper Messiah, Stone Dead Forever, The Call of KTULU, To Live Is To Die, and Enter Sandman. Of course. Of course. That's good. So this is Kirk Hammett's playlist, and I'm pretty excited to to see what this is like. So first... Uh, let's smell. All right. Honey, vanilla. Yeah, I definitely smell a, like, something sweet and something a little spicy. I don't smell a whole lot of wood. Not smell a lot of wood. Not smell a lot... Not a lot of heat. It could be deceiving, but it... No, I, I, don't, I don't smell a lot of heat. It smells just a little bit of spice. And that's just probably the rye. Little. Yeah. It would definitely be a higher rye content. Yeah. All right. Taste. Yeah. That had a lot of heat to begin with for me. But then quickly goes away. Yeah, quickly goes away. Much like you're hearing at one of their concerts. <laughs> yep. Definitely vanilla. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In fact, a lot more vanilla than what I was expecting. Yeah. All right. Second taste. Oh, that's good. Yeah. I, I can definitely taste hints of too late, too late, and um, just a smattering of uh, <laughs> Phantom Lord. And I'm going to enter some Sandman if I keep drinking too yeah, much of it. for sure. Yeah. <laughs> 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 funny i taste heat right away that's got to be the rye yeah i would think that's rye okay and and i got the vanilla you know what as it settles i am tasting a hint of that sweet blackberry that's coming from the brandy there is a fruit it's not floral no i don't taste floral not at all it's just it's fruit yeah so it's it's spiky, it's spicy to, mm-hmm. at at very early, and then it just mellows out. Well, actually, it's almost like it hits me in this order: spice, mm-hmm. then the vanilla, and then it finishes off with that berry flavor, that fruit. Yeah, yeah. no, no real oak, no real leather. Mm-mm. Thankfully, no ashtray. <laughs> 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 I disagree. I don't think it's an average whiskey. I think it's better than average. Yeah. To me, what makes it better than average? So when I think of average, I guess I could define average as being black label Evan Williams, mm. the possibly even like a benchmark. You know, like I For said, sure. that, we're not talking about low grade like Kentucky Deluxe or, <laughs> you know, something like that. But when I think of average run of the mill it's not that when i think of extraordinary though i don't put it on extraordinary so like one of my go-to's day drinker regular you know go-to whiskey woodford reserve 
Oh, yeah, absolutely. So when I think about could I drink Blackened as a daily like Woodford? Mm. I think so. It's definitely different tasting than Woodford because Woodford's so much more oaky and definitely more oak yeah thicker this is pretty vanilla sugar fruit Mm -hmm. finish yeah but it's it's definitely it's not meant for the faint of heart you know like my wife prefers a nice fruity styled whiskey she likes whatever honey you know whether it be like wild turkey honey or something like that she loves the angel's envy that you brought last time And she is all about that stuff. So she really likes that because it does. It finishes so sweet. It's nice. But something like this, she's going to hate this. It's that spice and that spike at the beginning. The heat at the front. Yeah. Yeah. The spice up front. She's a first impressions kind of lady. And the first impression is is heat. It it is. You're going to recognize it. Mm -hmm. I do like the vanilla honey. Yeah. You had to mention your wife and the honey. Yeah. Whiskey. Now I'm tasting honey. Are you sure I didn't just put that in your head? It, you may have just put it in my head. Yeah. That's very possible. <laughs> I also taste gasoline. No? I do not taste gasoline. <laughs> mm, just give it another try. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, let me try again. Yeah. Still no gasoline. And the memory remains. <laughs> we do not own the copyright of that song. Is that what we're supposed to say to yeah, disclose it? Yeah, that's right. I think so. <laughs> Possibly. Actually, you know, the interesting thing about Blackened, just in general, like the song, it was the first song that Jason Newstead, the new bass player, actually had a chance to be able to contribute on. So evidently he was sitting in his apartment and James was there as well. Mm -hmm. And he was playing this bass riff, just having a good time. And James went, that's it. That's it. And it was the first one they allowed him to have any kind of byline on at all. And that's what's so crazy. I I really do think that Cliff, his death, messed up that band mentally. And that was 88? Well, it was 88 when this was released. So maybe 87 is when he wrote it. But 86 is when Cliff died. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's traumatizing. I mean, after all, the way the story goes, it's actually Kirk who was supposed to sleep in that bunk that Cliff was in. Oh, wow. Kirk wanted that bunk. Cliff wanted that bunk. They end up drawing cards for it. You know, so who has the high card? And Cliff drew the ace of spades. And he was like, I get the back bunk. You sleep in the front. He was like, fine, I want to do that anyway. And he goes up to the front and then... Wow. So I wonder if Blackened is... Because as Jason comes into the band... Yeah. And some of the first contribution he makes is on that track, Mm -hmm. which also kind of shifts them into early 90s, which explodes. Oh, yeah. So maybe it's a pivotal moment for the band. And so they choose Blackened because, obviously, Enter Sandman's not a good name for a booze. That's a dumb name. That's a a dumb name. One, Unforgiven. (laughs) These are all horrible titles to have. Nothing else matters. Nothing else matters. I mean... (laughs) I've actually said that a number of times after drinking yeah. bourbon all night. It's like, uh, seek and destroy. <laughs> See, all of these things are really bad names for bourbon. Maybe Blacken, because it's a pivotal moment for the band. Fresh start. Yeah. New member. And after that death, maybe it felt like a nuclear bomb. 
I think you're getting too too deep on this too one deep. now. I'll yeah. take another drink of whiskey. And maybe you should take one less. <laughs> <laughs> I think that using Ride the Lightning, that was mm. one of their songs. Ride the Lightning right, would have been good, right. but it might have had to have been like Moonshine instead. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> Which then you lose your craft master distiller who's coming over from Whistlepig who wants to reinvigorate this craft of making blended whiskeys. Yeah. Now, I do want to have a confession time, and the confession time is, I've actually had this whiskey before. Now, the reason why I had this whiskey was because I saw that it was made by Metallica, and I was interested, I was intrigued, and somebody was there giving tastings, and after I tasted it, they gave me their whole spiel and how... Dave was no longer with us, and right. all the bottles that are currently in the facility are ones that Dave had a hand in, and right. I didn't necessarily know what all that was, but I did know that I wanted to pick up a bottle, because I thought it would be kind of fun. So I did, and what I appreciate the most about things like this, even if you would call it novelty, much like the shirts of the 90s that I saw my friends wearing that couldn't ah, name a single song, song <laughs> on the playlist, but right. they loved the look. There is something that's pretty cool about being able to play the playlist, listen to the music, sit back, and just enjoy the bourbon or enjoy the whiskey, knowing that this was going through the cast the entire time. Agreed. This has a story behind it. This yep. reminds you of that concert you went to, that garage band you started, that t-shirt you wore. I think there is something not just nostalgic, mm-hmm. but something hopeful that you can get just by sitting, listening to the music, and sipping on on this whiskey. Now, with that said, keep in mind, they named it Blackened, which is the end of the world. I mean, what the heck? <laughs> Well, and I think, you know, kidding aside, I go back to two years ago watching them in concert and I see each individual artist and they are true artists. They are incredible musicians. Mm -hmm. And when combined, what they produce is as powerful as what happens night after night with those concerts. Yeah. But to know that they sat down and thought, You know, these are the songs that will hit those barrels and whatever frequencies happen, release Mm -hmm. sugars and oak and whatever else that comes out of those barrels, right? Each individual batch is from a playlist that one of those incredible artists took time to think about. These are the songs that are going to affect the flavor of this whiskey. And so from that perspective, respect the artistry, respect the the individual thought that each artist put into those playlists, and um, and really enjoy the whiskey. Yeah, and actually that's one of the things I really appreciate about this. Keep in mind, James Hetfield, he doesn't drink anymore. He doesn't drink it. And he's not going to drink it either, because that would be a, a violation of his rehab, really. Like, in, and when I say right. violation, nobody's taking him to prison. It's, it's something that, it's a commitment he made. Right. But once again, like the commitment that he's made to himself, it's a commitment that he's made to his fans to make sure that what he puts out for them is something that's quality. So even though he never planned to drink it, 
he made a playlist for his batch. Now, speaking of playlists for batches, I actually have another batch of Blackened. And so I'm curious, if a different playlist was involved, is it going to taste different? So the science would say, because the different frequencies of the different songs that hit those Mm -hmm. barrels would allow the liquid inside those barrels to do different things. Yep. That yes. So I think in the name of science, we have to try batch 92, which is what I have. Now, batch 92, guess is an older batch, maybe. I don't know. Or maybe it's just a different playlist, and that's possible, too. But when I look at this batch, I noticed that it was also made by Kirk Hammett. So Interesting. I think that it'll be kind of fun. Now, in the last one, you know, we had some, some who's who's of songs that they had. What about Batch 92? Have you looked it up? What does Batch 92 have? Well, it's interesting you ask about Batch 92. So, again, as you mentioned, it is Kirk's For Whom the Bell Tolls. Ugh. Starts us off, right? Sweet. The Small Hours, one of my favorites, Sad But True. <laughs> <laughs> the Thing That Should Not Be, Dream No More, Saint Anger, Crash Course in Brain Surgery, and it finishes off with Wherever I May Roam. This will be a good batch. This will be a good batch. Now, I'm afraid that because of the rhyme, because of the heat, and because of all that stuff that we just tasted, Mm -hmm. that I'm not going to be able to taste as well this batch. So is there a way that you're supposed to like cleanse the palate whenever you're (laughs) doing these things? Well, that's a great question. So if we were at the mall and we're walking through and trying to find like that perfect cologne... I would mm-hmm. say in between cologne samples, you sniff the coffee bean. Okay. But this isn't a mall and this isn't cologne. No. No. And evidently between like meals, that's what the parsley on the plate is for. Ah. You're supposed to eat the parsley to like cleanse okay. the palate. All right. But I don't know that I want to eat parsley and then drink more whiskey. <laughs> no. So my go-to to cleanse as I switch between different drinks, good old water. Oh, that would make perfect sense you yeah. just so a couple swigs of water rinse switch it around mouth. rinse it and then you're good to go well then let's go ahead and drink some water then all right let's go ahead and open up 92 92 so we have 92 and i think we need to do the same thing the sniff test and depending on what this tastes like we also didn't do the ice cube with the last one. You're right. So I'm wondering if we should add the ice cube as well to this one after we've tasted it and confirmed whether or not for whom the bell tolls makes a difference. I think we should. All right, so we sniff. This smells different. It smells smoother. This smells sweeter. Yeah, smoother. Yeah, that's probably better. Smooth smooth for sure. And by sweeter, I think you mean more vanilla. Yes. Yeah, right off the bat, way more vanilla. This smells completely different. All right. Well, I think now we got a taste. There's no heat. The, the heat is so low. Oh my gosh, it's completely different. I am shocked. Wherever I may roam, sad but true, for whom the bell tolls. I taste them all. 
<laughs> I mean, it's not that the rye isn't there. It finishes different. It tastes different. That's the beauty of the blend. The heat actually is almost on the end of it more than it is on the mm-hmm. front of it. The vanilla is in all the scent, but I don't taste it as much throughout it. And the finish, I don't taste the berry at the finish. I'm wondering if an ice cube would make that come out. I think we should try the ice cube. I don't taste the berry at the end of this one either. Yeah, I'm going to grab an ice cube. So as we let this ice melt, I'm confused on how two bottles where the colors look the same and all that's really different is the agitation by the music right and the batch number how they could taste so different well and that's one of the frustrating pieces of this is they don't have to list the combination of grains or the percentages of bourbon versus rye versus wheat versus they don't have to list that on the label and so we don't really know of this mm-hmm. blend uh, for batch 92, what's in it? Well, let's taste it. And let's, let's taste see. with the ice and yeah. see how that does it. It's all smooth. There's vanilla. There's caramel. And I finally taste a little bit of oak. Yeah, I taste the, the oak. With the ice. Mm-hmm. It, honestly, it dissipated almost all the heat. For your listeners out there, the ice cube makes a world of difference. It's a game changer. We almost have to pour the other one again, because remember, it was heat right at the beginning. It was. And then try with ice and see what Gosh, what that well, does. that's in the name of science, but I don't know. Maybe, maybe that's just going to have to be another one. We're going to have to do two other batches another day. Let's do it. Yeah, that's going to be good. Well, I think that this has been a lot of fun. Do you have anything last to add to any of this, Nick? You know, I think what I'll add, even as we are in difficult times we're all dealing with this pandemic Mm -hmm. i think we can take a moment and we can pause and we can appreciate artistry from a revolutionary and iconic band like metallica and we can appreciate a, a good craft whiskey from an iconic and revolutionary distiller like dave pickerel and just really appreciate the marriage of those two icons and producing, some call it average. I think we both agree. Yeah. Better than average. Especially whiskey. with the ice cube. Like, Especially with the ice. Man, the ice cube made a huge difference. And so, honestly, I'm 100% with you yep. on everything you said. And I will add one thing. And that is, if you do decide to do this, if you are of age and you are interested in this type of a spirit, pour about a finger's worth, enjoy a couple of sips, add an ice cube. Turn the playlist on. Turn the playlist on. Wait a few minutes. Start sipping on that iced version. And you will have a completely different experience. Much like Metallica in the 80s versus Metallica in the 90s versus Metallica in the 2000s. It's evolving. It's changing. But at heart, it is still the same thing. Well, that concludes our time of the Tweed Couch Guitar Therapy Session. If you liked what you heard, leave five stars in a review. Also, don't forget to check us out on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at The Tweed Couch. Until next time.